Welcome to Men Alive, a biblical journey to help us conform to the image of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Paul Estabrooks. Our teacher is my longtime friend, Dr. Jim Cunningham, consultant in adult education, director of Go Teach Global, and author of the book, Men Alive. Dr. Jim. Paul, as a former radio announcer with FEBC in the Philippines, you were used to talking to listeners without any visible feedback. In that process, you became a great storyteller with passion and inflection. You could make a listener cry and laugh just by your stories. When we began teaching together, we discussed how did Jesus teach his disciples? Did he lecture? Sometimes, like the Sermon on the Mount. Did he ask questions? Many times. He often asked a question like, Whom do men say that I am? Or to the crippled man, Do you want to be healed? But many times Jesus taught by simply telling a story. We have affected each other in our teaching styles. I use more discussion and participation, and you started telling more stories, even the occasional lecture. You've had a positive influence on me, Pablo. Let me tell a story I heard on a trip to East Africa. Jacob, not his real name, was born in East Africa. His parents were godly Christians who gave him a good home and education. But as some adolescent boys do, when Jacob went to the university, he strayed from his Christian heritage and became attracted to the teachings of Muhammad. The more time he spent with his Muslim friends, the more he accepted their teachings, especially the teachings about jihad. Jacob discovered the term jihad means exertion or striving on behalf of Islam. As jihad is a religious duty imposed by Muslim law for the spread of Islam. Believers are under obligation to wage war against all unbelievers. Muhammad said the best deed of man is to believe in Allah and his apostle. The second best deed is to participate in jihad in Allah's cause. Muhammad also announced the last hour will not come until the Muslims fight the Jews and the Muslims kill them. Jacob discovered that when a holy war is called by a Muslim cleric, this exertion, or jihad, could include giving one's life in the defense of Islam. But he who falls on the battlefield in a jihad is promised immediate entry into paradise. As he read the Quran, Jacob discovered that Surah 9111 clearly stated, For theirs, those who die in jihad, in return is the garden of paradise. They fight in his cause, Allah's, and slay and are slain, the achievement supreme. Then Surah 5622 states, There will be companions with beautiful, big, and lustrous eyes. Surah 56, 36-37 continues, and made them virgin pure and undefiled, beloved by nature equal in age. And Surah 56, 31-32 says, This tent will be by water flowing constantly and fruit in abundance, whose season is not limited nor supply forbidden. Jacob learned that in recognition of his service, Allah will give every martyr these things. First, a private tent, this was an important value to a Saudi nomad in 600 AD. Second, his private tent will be in a garden with green grass with fresh flowing streams and fruit trees. And third, there will be virgins galore. In Jacob's mind, heaven sounded great. Private housing, succulent food, streams of fresh water, 
and beautiful selected young virgins. But Jacob was also taught that the doctrine of jihad divides the world into two realms, the abode of peace and the abode of war. That makes it incumbent upon each Muslim believer to keep on until the whole world is Islamicized. Jacob realized that as attractive as that view may be to his carnal male ego, the Quran says in Surah 9, 13-14, Will you not fight people who violated their oaths? Fight them, and God will punish them with your hands. Jacob had to do something now about his new beliefs. He eventually converted to Islam and joined a radical fundamentalist group. He stayed away from his parents and former Christian friends. Eventually, the group conditioned Jacob to volunteer to be a suicide bomber. This was their plan. The president and all his cabinet ministers were going to attend a huge sports event in the largest stadium in the capital city of the country. Jacob would be strapped with an explosive device. He would move to the front of the podium and ignite the device. The group planned to kill the president and the primary government leaders. Jacob agreed. On the day of the event, thousands of people gathered at the stadium. Meanwhile, in some churches across the city, a number of Christian intercessors had gathered for prayer. They felt led by God's Holy Spirit to pray for the protection of their president and his cabinet at the rally. Jacob arrived on schedule. He followed his instructions and made it undetected into the stadium. He carefully worked his way up to the selected place near the podium. A beautiful program preceded the sporting event. There were dancers and singers and young children performing in the stadium. Just as Jacob was about to detonate the explosive strapped to his body, two things happened that changed his life forever. Before Dr. Jim continues his story, a reminder, you are listening to Men Alive with Dr. Jim Cunningham. You can receive a free PDF of our new devotional booklet, Living the Jesus Way, by sending Dr. Jim an email at menaliveuntogod at gmail.com. That's menaliveuntogod at gmail.com. Just as Jacob was about to detonate the explosive strapped to his body, it began to rain. And what a rain! The sky darkened, lightning flashed, and water poured down on the children performing on the field. Jacob knew he had to act quickly. He moved closer to the podium where the president was about to stand up and make an announcement. Jacob reached for the detonator and froze in his tracks. There was his mother standing a few meters away from the president. What was she doing here? He stopped in the rain as the president said, We must postpone this event due to this unexpected, unseasonal downpour. Go quickly into the shelters, everyone. The crowd began to move to the shelters. Jacob was moved along with them, but the water in his eyes was not rain. It was tears. That was my mother, he cried. I would have killed my mother. A few moments later, he found himself in one of the dry shelter rooms under the stadium. And who does he meet in that same shelter? But his mother. She had not seen Jacob for months. As only a mother can, she ran to him, embraced him, and began to cry out praises to God that Jacob was there and they were safe together. She told Jacob, I rarely go to political events, but it was the Lord in his still quiet voice who prompted me this morning, go to the rally, 
get close to the president and pray for his safety. Upon hearing that news, Jacob broke down and cried, Forgive me, Mom. I have sinned against God and you and my president. He confessed to her what had happened. Together they went to the authorities and told them the story. Jacob identified by name the members of the terrorist group and they were located. Within a short time, they were all arrested. The prayers of a godly mother were answered more than she realized. Jim, that story gives a powerful application of how God answers our prayers according to his sovereign timing. Jesus was a master at telling stories, and he used a very Jewish way of doing it. He would always connect his current story to something the listener already knew and understood. For example, here's one of his best-known stories. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, he passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, The one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. That story was directly connected to Second Chronicles 28. I'll let you read the highlights, Pablo. Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. Unlike David, his father, he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He followed the ways of the kings of Israel and also made idols for worshipping the Baals. He burned sacrifices in the valley of Ben-Hinnon and sacrificed his children in the fire, engaging in the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. He offered sacrifices and burned incense at the high places, on the hilltops, and under every spreading tree. Therefore the Lord his God delivered him into the hands of the king of Israel, who killed a hundred and twenty thousand soldiers in Judah, because Judah had forsaken the Lord, the God of their ancestors. The men of Israel took captive from their fellow Israelites, who were from Judah, two hundred thousand wives, sons, and daughters. They also took a great deal of plunder, which they carried back to Samaria. But a prophet of the Lord named Oded said, And now you intend to make the men and women of Judah and Jerusalem your slaves? But aren't you also guilty of sins against the Lord your God? Now listen to me. Send back your fellow Israelites you have taken as prisoners, for the Lord's fierce anger rests on you. So the soldiers took the prisoners, and from the plunder they clothed all who were naked. They provided them with clothes and sandals, food and drink, and healing balm. 
all those who were weak they put on donkeys, so they took them back to their fellow Israelites at Jericho, the city of palms. The Jewish audience knew their history and their Bible stories. Jesus tied his story of the Good Samaritan to their previous knowledge of what Samaritans did to be obedient to God's word. That's our goal today, men, to be obedient to God's word. May our stories direct people to obey the word of God. That's the power of a story, well told and well connected. It generates a positive response of obedience to God's word. There you have it, men. Let's learn to tell stories that turn scriptures into life principles. Remember to get a copy of Living the Jesus Way at menaliveuntogod at gmail.com. Men Alive is a production of Go Teach Global. Visit our website at goteachglobal.com. Until next time, I'm your host, Paul Estabrooks, on behalf of Dr. Jim Cunningham, encouraging you to become men alive, transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. <laughs>